Monday, January 9th, it's the Just Baseball Show. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen, and we've got some minor moves to talk about that could make a pretty big difference. We got an AJ Pollock signing. We've got a trade for an all-star reliever, maybe the most anonymous multi-all-star in baseball, and also more on the Marlins trade market. Now four of their starters available. We'll talk a little bit about which of the arms should be the priority for other teams and you know which we think might be the most likely to go. Jack, I'm not that pumped to talk about the Soto trade, but at the same time, I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Not the other Soto trade. We're talking about Gregory Soto. And it's weirdly intriguing. Right. I don't know if it's because it's like the nerd in me that's intrigued by it or if it's just one of those weirdly fascinating trades yeah no i i think this is a you thing i don't think this is a baseball fan thing like i don't really think the baseball fan cares about this soto trade and and the other soto trade was much better than this soto trade but was it you know what it, it, i think so uh and it's a five player deal man so like that i think is the intrigue where you've got pieces of interest going back to detroit and you've got gregory soto who Again, is an all-star closer, granted for the Detroit Tigers, but an all-star nonetheless that's going to Philly to help bolster that bullpen. And the question is, can he pitch in the eighth? Can Craig Kimbrell pitch in the eighth? Uh, I think they're making their bullpen very, very top-heavy with one-inning guys. Like, I don't think they have that swingman type. Um, but you know what? That's what the Mets are doing, uh, and, and other teams have won a lot of games by – stockpiling closers and setup men and just asking them to throw in various situations. So we'll see how it goes for him. Yeah. So I guess we'll just start with, with that move, right? I mean, we'll, we'll get to Pollock and how he fits in, you know, with, with the Mariners. And I think that's a nice pickup as well. Uh, and we'll get to that, but I think we'll start with the trade because I, I think it's a fascinating deal for both sides, right? Gregory Soto is not going to be asked to save 25, 30 games for them. Like he has uh, the last couple of years, he had 18 saves in right. 2021 for the Tigers. And then, 30 saves last year for the Tigers, which is impressive given the fact that they didn't win that many more than 30 games. But the, the trade in itself is fascinating because I think it's a pretty steep price, quote unquote, to pay for a reliever like Soto because I think the Tigers really sold high on Gregory Soto. Yes, you can look at the all-star appearances, but to me that, you know, that only means so much. He's 27 years old. He's had some nice flashes. Yes, the saves are nice, but you, you got to take the saves almost like wins with a grain of salt. That's an opportunity stat. And you got to look at what he did, right? He pitches in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. In the last couple of years, he's put together solid, solid numbers, 3 339 in 2021 ERA-wise, 3-2-8 in 2022. Underlying stats a little less generous. And the strikeouts dipped last year from 10.74 per nine in 2021 to 8.95 per nine in 2022. He also walks a lot of guys. So what I'm looking at here, though, from, yeah. from the Phillies perspective is, you know, they don't need him to be much. They just need him to be, you know, that sixth, seventh inning guy, maybe pitch the occasional eighth. Whereas you look at at what the, 
you know, what the Tigers were demanding of him was to shut the door as a closer. I am a little concerned about the strikeout to walk ratio uh, in that situation there, but I am encouraged by the fact that this Phillies team was also able to take Jose Alvarado to the next level. We saw how things kind of got, got going for him, another lefty flamethrower with command issues. And, you know, maybe with this situation here, Soto can, you know, get a change of scenery and, and take his game to the next level with less responsibility in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, he is. He's such a fascinating case because, like, a lot of the underlying metrics would say this guy's not that good, right? Yeah. I Gregory Soto, yes, okay, he averages 98.8 on the fastball. At least he did in 2022, which was the highest mark of his career. His, his fastball keeps getting harder and harder. But th- the thing that's so interesting here is he was at – 8.95 Ks per nine. Like that's less than a strikeout per inning yeah. as a closer. You yeah. don't see that anymore. No. And not to mention he was over five walks per nine for the fourth season in a row. 2019, he was over five per nine. 2020, he was over five per nine. 2021, he was over five and a half per nine. And this year he was at five per nine. So you've got a guy that's striking out less than a hitter per inning and walking more than a hitter every two yeah. innings. I mean, like there are a lot of issues here. And ERA to expected ERA certainly shows that like he got lucky with that 3-2-8. Again, how valuable is reliever ERA? Um, I like to look at K's per nine from closers Correct. because yep. my question is, especially in the new extra innings um setup, can you come in? How and good are you? Now? Yeah, how good are you at dancing around a runner at second with nobody out? Mm-hmm. And the answer for Gregory Soto via the underlying metrics is not good. Yeah. He's going to walk somebody. He's not going to get strikeouts. Balls are going to be put in play. We'll see what happens here. Um, I've got no idea if this is a good grab. The good news is they traded from a surplus and guys that like maybe playing 60 games for them to go get a guy who can be their fourth best reliever and who can be the sixth inning guy in a must win game, which is cool. So the, the full breakdown of the trade is Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens going over to Philadelphia for Nick. It's Mayton, right? Mayton. Mayton. Nick Mayton, Matt Veerling, and Donnie Sands. So Mayton actually had a nice year last year as a utility guy, and, and he can yeah. he can swing it a little bit. I think he had some, some good batted ball luck struck out a lot, but I think a great utility dude. Uh, Matt Veerling is a really good athlete. And, and that's somebody that I know Scott Harris specifically said, you don't really get to pick up guys with elite speed, 90th, 97th percentile sprint speed very often. Veerling has had stretches where he swung it pretty well. He's had stretches where he hasn't swung it great, but I would say he is at least a fourth outfielder. And when you look at it, at Mayton, you're, you're looking at at least a utility guy where Scott Harris takes over general manager of the, of the, the Tigers here. He takes over probably saw the writing on the wall with Soto saw a guy that was probably on his way to, to maybe hitting a bit more of a wall. Maybe the Phillies can unlock something, but I think he he had an opportunity here to sell high. And I know it's not high in the grand scheme of things, but these are two big league pieces for the Tigers that are just trying to find big league pieces. Let's be real here. And, and I think Veerling is, is a good opportunity to roll him out there. See how he does. If he performs, then all of a sudden you, you found a nice, you know, above average, above replacement level player in the outfield worst case scenario you've got your fourth outfielder so i think they they get some big league depth here it helps them in the short term 
helps him in the long term. And and then Donnie Sands kind of that that extra catcher uh, to have behind the dish as well, which they could use those also. Uh, not a bad trade for both sides. And I think the Tigers actually did really well with this. Yeah, I think so as well. And and I want to start with Maton because this was a guy that struck out a lot, but walked a lot. Like he, 35 games, I think, with the Tigers at the major league level, he had like a 35% K rate. It yeah. might have been like 34, just under 35. So he was punching out all the time for a utility guy. Like utility, you don't think high swing and miss, right? You think high yeah. swing and miss from corner masters or first baseman or DH, but you know, Maton's the type of guy where it's like he strikes out a lot more than he probably should with that profile because he doesn't have too much pop. Um, but the good news for Maton is he gets on base enough to hedge that. And even with a 34% K rate, he still had a 135 WRC plus in 35 yep. games. So mm-hmm. I like this is a guy that, you know, obviously is not a 135 WRC plus guy over the course of no. a full season. Um, but he was a 116 WRC plus guy in AAA in about 60 yep. games. So yeah. you can think he's around a 100 guy. He's around a league average hitter, uh, and he provides some of that utility sex appeal that they need with Javi Baez being a clog, with Jonathan Scopes, you saw on the team, being a clog. He's a free yeah. agent. Um, I, the Tigers, like, here's the thing. I, I think the Tigers are going to set the standard for irrelevancy with the Oakland yeah. A's, and a chance to find any sort of positivity here is going to be great. Uh, exactly. And Veerling, you're right, man. I mean, that fast of a guy getting him for relatively nothing, like he was one of three pieces in a trade for a closer that you're selling high on. I mean, feels very Jorge Mateo-esque, right? Yeah. Nothing else is good, but the speed is great. Exactly. And I mean, this is a big guy that has shown flashes and he can, he can swipe bags again. The defense wasn't great last year, but he was playing all over. And this is another guy that, that plays a lot of different positions. They played him in third base, even second base, first base. He saw action at all, every single spot predominantly played in center. And the breakdown was pretty wild. 61 games in center, 37 games in right, 30 games in left five at third, four at second, two at first and one at DH. So Another player that you almost get two cracks here at a utility guy for you. Best case, both of them can, can turn into utility pieces. Worst case, you know, one of them does. Because I think there's a really good chance that one of them is going to be that utility guy. And Veerling struggled last year with sporadic playing time. Still ended up playing 117 games and was legitimately, by F4, a replacement level player. Which, if he struggled and he was that... That's not the worst thing in the world. And he was also playing all over the diamond. So I'm interested to see. I think if he gets regular playing time, which I think you can expect to see now, he should be able to to get a little bit more going offensively. And this could be a decent piece for them. So I like what they did here because you you, you traded a reliever that I don't think is going to make or break for you. And it hasn't been that great. I think the writing is on the wall. And um, the Tigers are just trying to stockpile as much possible talent as they can and instead of taking a lottery ticket free agent this makes them a little bit more i think competitive for next year instead of just rolling whoever you can out there uh you got some guys that are young with a shot to to develop into something rather than just having that you know what drove me nuts with the marlins during their rebuild was when i'm seeing guys like uh william william right i don't want to see him out there i'd rather see a, a 26 year old bounce back candidate and that's, that's what the Tigers seem to be going for here. Yeah, I I want you to take back the word competitive and pick a different word for the Detroit Tigers, right? Like this allows them to be a bit more competitive. 
I disagree because they're going to be non-competitive. Competitive is, it a, is more competitive term. than they were. So if they're a hundred percent not competitive now, they're ninety nine percent not competitive. Uh yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> I was going to say slightly more watchable at the big league level, and <laughs> and that's certainly not one word, but um. You know, like this is one of those situations where Bally Sports Detroit should be picking up some minor league games, right? Like they should be showing <laughs> minor league games in the afternoon and then the Tigers game at night because, um, you know, y- yes, you've got Torque's season of, of bounce back and you've got Riley Green's season of bounce back, um, even though he was hampered with injury this past year. But, I mean, a lot of the staff is hurt right now. Tarek Scoobal looks like he's going to miss some serious time. Casey Mize is going to be out the entirety of the year. Like, this is going to be a really, really, really hard watch for Tigers fans. And, and I think this deal almost saves face a bit for them. I also think Maton and Veerling could, like, be flip candidates. At yeah, the no, they, you know they, they absolutely could. They absolutely could. So, I, I think this is good. I think I think you're flipping Soto for a chance to flip Veerling and Maton. As for the Mariners... This is a team that's going to be fun to watch. And they make a move here that I think is more notable maybe than people want to give it credit for because A.J. Pollock for $7 million, first of all, in this market is really solid because Pollock was, was banged up last year. But A.J. Pollock's role is going to be very specific here. It's going to be to crush lefties. And it's going to be hopefully in a world where Jared Kelnick is, is hitting righties well. And, and those guys are platooning. Of course, there is a, a scenario here where Jared Kelnick stinks and AJ Pollock has everyday reps out there or as at least splitting time with a Cooper Hummel or somebody else. Very possible as well. And I think this is a really good insurance policy, but I like it as an insurance policy because if he's eating into at-bats with Kelnick, it's only going to be with the lefty. So it's it's not blocking Kellenic. It's not stifling his development. If anything, it's accentuating it. And, and to provide some context here for the deal for Pollock and, and, and you know what he did last year against lefties, he slashed 286, 316, 619. It's a 161 WRC plus against righties, 231, 284, 309, a 69 WRC plus. And as we see, as guys age a little bit, as, as their bat speed slows down a little bit, they tend to just hit lefties way better. Right, catching those breaking balls, breaking towards them. Velo on average from lefties, even though the game's changing, is still a little bit diminished than righties. And this is the kind of the perfect vet move for Pollock to get an opportunity to be put in positions of success while also, you know, still being able to get some pretty consistent reps here. And at seven million dollars, uh, him and Kelnick could could feasibly form a really nice platoon if Kelnick holds up his end of the bargain. I do you think he's going to hold up his end of the bargain? I think this gives him the best chance to, right? I mean, he doesn't have to worry about lefties. He can just focus on hitting righties. He doesn't have to worry about playing, you know, as much center field <laughs> really at all. Like just play a corner, hit righties, and and that's all you got to do. Um, I I am not as bullish on Kalanick as, as really, and I don't think anyone's bullish on Kalanick anymore, but I do think that this guy is capable of putting up a one- 15 120 wrc plus against righties if if pollock is able to do just around that against lefties you've got a really nice platoon here and i I think kellenic can carry his weight against righties i do and i hope he does and maybe this takes some pressure off of him and maybe this takes a little bit of pressure knowing that hey i don't have to worry about 
being dismal against lefties. I, that that could take at least a little bit of that pressure away. Yeah, and and what sucks for Jared Kelnick and what sucks for the Seattle Mariners and, and what sucks for prospect people is this guy has gone from Julio Rodriguez to Nolan Gorman in the span of two years. You know what I mean? Way I mean, worse we than saying, Gorman. It, worse. Yeah, yeah, way worse than Gorman. But, like, Gorman is do not let him face a lefty. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. We're yeah, getting that to that point with absolutely. Kelnick, right? Yeah, do absolutely. Not let Kelnick face a lefty. So, you know, we're going from a guy that looked like a perennial all-star coming through the system, and it's like, yes, consensus top 10 prospect in the game, to is he ever going to hit lefties, and is he, he going to hit righties period? enough to yeah, is he going to hit period? So um, I think this is a great, great, great contingency plan put together by Jerry Depoto. And yes, Pollock was disappointing with the White Sox this past year after he was flipped for Kimbrell from the Dodgers. But you know what? He was a great Dodger, and you made a great point off the top. Like, he was injury-laden this past year in Chicago. So you got to give A.J. Pollock a chance. I think $7 million for, a, for an excellent platoon bat and a guy that can absolutely hold his own in an everyday role is is a great deal. And I'm just thinking from a White Sox perspective, uh, Pollock was cheaper than Mike Clevenger, right? I'd yeah. so much. I know it's apples to oranges, but I'd so much rather have my uh, AJ Pollock on my books than Mike Clevenger on my books. Even a bad year from Pollock last year, right? He, he still was a half a win player, which yeah. is a low bar, but he played good defense. They stuck him in center for 37 games. Yeah, it sucked. Guy, like Robert was made of glass again. Yeah. If, if he plays exclusively in a corner, he's still an above average defender out there. So that's also a nice bonus. And if you're in a real, real pinch, Pollock can play center and it won't be bad. Like that's that's a nice bonus, just having somebody that's capable of playing center out there. And, and you know, realistically, what, what did they get from Kyle Lewis last year? Pretty much nothing. They ship him out for Hummel. Uh, I think they're going to get more from from Pollock than they would have got from Kyle Lewis from, on both sides of the ball, and and I think that's that's ultimately what they need here—a little bit more depth, some more consistency of of just another guy one through nine. He's probably not going to be in the middle of the order, so a back of the order that has the ability to leave the yard. Because we talked about it in the playoffs, it was really rough seeing that back half of the Mariners lineup that just really struggled. It seemed like you're almost waving the white flag with six, seven, eight sometimes, and nine. Um, I, if, if Pollock is your seven hitter. I, especially against a lefty, you're in, you're in really good shape the there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not at all. the white flag at all. And, and, you know, yes, like obviously you're hedging Kelnick with a guy that, ma- that can mash lefties. But think about the other concerns you have with Jared Kelnick, right? Um, he's not going to make contact for stretches and it'll snowball on him, right? A.J. Pollock is the perfect contingency plan for that because A.J. Pollock puts bat on ball. He's a sub 20% K-rate guy. And things don't snowball on him. Like he, he doesn't have months where he just sucks. And that's the worry with Kelnick. He may go nuclear for a month. And then the next month he's Cody Bellinger esque, right? Like he's worst hitter in baseball and he's striking out half the time. That's never going to be AJ Pollock. So I think Jerry DePoto, I deed this guy as, you know, the, the ice to Kelnick's fire, right? Like yeah. he is the antithesis of Jared Kelnick's flaws. And, and I think that they're ready to roll with him in a platoon role. And, you know, last thing we'll say on this before, um, I also want to point out one one contractual interesting aspect of this too. But so Kelnick's been a disaster 
you know, from in every aspect offensively. But if you look at righties versus lefties, uh, even even then you can see the discrepancy, right? He has 21 home runs in the big leagues. 18 of them have come against righties. So if, if he's going to figure it out, it's going to be against righties. And you know, that that's the best hope here. So, again, they're, they're putting himself they're putting him in as best of a position to succeed as possible. If he can't succeed in this position, I, I imagine that's pretty much the last chance here. One note on Pollock. He he basically took a million dollar pay cut to go play for the Mariners. I don't know if he knew it was going to kind of shake out like this, but the way it works on his contract here is he declined a $13 million option for, for this coming season with the White Sox. And part of the reason why he did that was there was a $5 million buyout, so he was incentivized to, to opt out. So he opts out, right? gets that $5 million payday from the White Sox and then also signs for the $7 million. So he actually leaves a million on the table, but I think this is a much better situation for him in Seattle. And I would, I would give up a million dollars for this situation in Seattle with it, with AJ Pollock. I think so. It feels stress-free and you get to be on a contender, right? You get to be on a team that is going to make some noise in the American league West. And they're fighting for a wild card spot. Like I don't think they're going to win the American league West, but this is a team that is fun. And with the expanded playoffs, we know can, can make some noise, right? Especially with how this young rotation is set up um, a full year of Luis Castillo. I think this team's got the chance to be really, really good. And they could be that first wild card team. I, I totally agree. So here we go. Marlins apparently, do you know who, who was on that report so we can properly attribute this one? Um, I, don't uh, have I do not. Let me pull it up real quick. I can pull it up. But the Marlins are letting teams know – I have it in front of me. It was Bob Nightingale, by the way. Uh, okay, the Marlins great. are letting teams know that four of their starters are available. Uh, I know it's Bob Nightingale and everybody likes to say, oh, like, it's Bob, so it's probably not true. It, it, it's I, almost most definitely true. Uh, I, I would pretty much – say from everything that seems to be coming out from the Marlins that seems to be just about the case right and that means it you know for those who might not know the Marlins staff off the top of their head I wouldn't blame them uh, but now we're probably excited because every team needs pitching and you know, a, lot, a lot of teams might have different preferences and if you're the Marlins this is the way to do it right let them know that you're open for shop and whatever teams prefer whoever teams prefer I should say it, it, that's who who they're going to give up a little bit more for so th those four arms that are available on top of you know, Pablo Lopez. So I guess it's really five starters if you look at it this way, but Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, Jesus Lazardo, Pablo Lopez, and then you also have Braxton Garrett. I don't think anybody's going to be calling and saying, hey, I prefer Braxton Garrett, but that's another guy that's available and, you know, could be used in a trade, maybe a smaller deal, maybe a three-team deal to kind of put the package over the top. But right, he's these are a lot of really much cheaper, much cheaper. And, and I think Something I have heard from just the way that the Marlins have approached this is, you know, you're obviously going to be willing to give up a Braxton Garrett in, in a lesser deal, right? Like if teams are offering you lower level players or uh, big leaguers that aren't as impactful, you're not just going to trade one of your main guys for that, but you'll say, hey, we'll, we'll give you Braxton Garrett for that. And then other teams are like, hey, we want a little bit more than Braxton Garrett. So it's this, it's this tough sticking point here. But the Marlins have several controllable arms that are very, very exciting. And Pablo Lopez is not really the number one guy that I think everybody is calling on because guess what? Most teams that are trying to compete right now are not willing to trade big league bats 
for a big league arm. That's one step forward, one step back, unless you have a very clear surplus, right? And that makes the trade partners very limited. I said that going into the offseason. That was my concern about how this was going to shake out. So there is an example of you know, potentially if these teams are trading big league bats, they're going to want control. Or you're going to go to a team that maybe isn't trying to compete right now and is willing to trade control for control. That's why the Marlins approached the Red Sox about Tristan Casas, according to Craig Mish of the Miami Herald. Uh, but the Red Sox weren't taking the bait there and you know, ultimately are, are looking to trade Sedan Rafael or somebody else. Marlins don't want prospects. So of the pitchers, Jack, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, Jesus Lazardo, Pablo Lopez. Who are you targeting if you're a team that's looking for a starting pitcher that can help you now and – for the future. I was going to ask you to do this exact same thing. I was going to ask you to rank these four by value. Lopez, Rogers, Cabrera, Lazardo. And yeah. For the sake of exercise, I honestly, I want to see what somebody who like, isn't, you know, in the, like I have, who hasn't watched all of these guys come up, who isn't watching them as closely as as I am like an outsider of the Marlin circle. I would like to see like where you power rank them who you would want because i think it's really fascinating to me where, where when i see other teams fans tweeting at me like what would it take for th- for this marlins pitcher what would it take for this marlins pitcher i i kind of feel like sometimes people have the order out of whack or maybe don't totally know what some of these guys are capable of in comparison to the others so i would love to see where you have each of these guys and there's no right or wrong answer i would just tell you where I lean as someone that's around it more. And maybe I might have some bias towards certain guys because I've seen them and, and have some concerns about others. And that's the fun of this. So where do you kind of sit with, with each of these arms? And, you know, I think Pablo is the most proven, but the least controllable. So it kind of makes it all very close and equal. Yeah. So I'm going to go Edward Cabrera one because he's got six more years of control. Like, he's still a pre-arb guy. I mean, he is, what, he hits arbitration in 2026, arb one in 2026. Yeah, here we go. So he's pre-arb for the next three seasons, and then he's got three years of arbitration ahead of him. Jesus Lizardo has all three arbitration years after that. Trevor Rogers has four more years. Uh, this year is pre-arb, the next three are arbitration years. And then Pablo Lopez has two years of control. So we're talking about six years for Cabrera. Five for Lazardo, or no, three for Lazardo, four for Rogers, and two for Lopez. I'm gonna go yeah. Cabrera one because while he is the least proven of all these guys, he has disgusting stuff. And I think anybody that watched Edward Cabrera understands how stupidly disgusting this stuff is. I mean, a 94 mm-hmm. mile an hour changeup that like dudes cannot touch. Edward Cabrera has the chance to be a strikeout king and a true ace in Major League Baseball. So I I think Cabrera is number one. Um, I think Trevor Rogers is number two, just because of the control, because he's left-handed, and because of what he did his rookie year. I mean, this guy finished second in Rookie of the Year voting, and he absolutely could have won Rookie of the Year over India in 2021. Um, Yes, he stunk it up this year, but, I mean, this kind of guy with this kind of stuff – you feel like he's primed for a bounce back. Absolutely. I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go Lazardo three, um, just because of the control. I I think Lazardo is in a hundred mile an hour fastball from the left side, and with that control, with like escalating salary, I I, I think that this guy is is disgusting and has the chance to be again one of the fifth, filthiest pitchers in baseball. And then Pablo Lopez, 
while still very high priced and high valued is the fourth most valuable guy in this Marlins rotation right now. Obviously Sandy is a clear cut number one, but um, like Pablo is number four because of the limited control two seasons and because of the ceiling, right? Like what is Pablo Lopez going to give you? Is he going to give you shut down postseason starter type stuff? I'm not sure. So again, Cabrera one, Rogers two, Lazardo three, Lopez four. Where are you on that? So you hit the nail on the head on Lopez, right? Because Pablo is the safest and most proven, but this is why we haven't seen a trade yet, right? Marlins want big league pieces. Teams are like, hey, we can, we can acquire a pitcher with some more control and an ability of Pablo Lopez for prospects. Good prospects, but prospects. So we're not going to do that. I think there that. are a ton of Pablo Lopez's out there. I don't think yes. there are a ton of Lizardo and Cabrera's out there. If, if the Marlins said, hey, we want the best prospect return for Pablo Lopez, he, he would be gone months ago. He would have been gone at the deadline. But they've been trying to use Lopez as means to a big league piece. Not going to happen with two yeah. years of control. To go towards what you said, you know, I think in a vacuum, absolutely. The problem is there's some injury concerns here. And and yeah. I have – so Edward Cabrera for me, I think is the one that, you, you know, could be the one who got away. And just with where the Marlins are at though, I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm – if I'm at the helm of the Marlins here, I'm almost willing to, 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 to roll the dice there uh, if a team values Edward that way. Uh, the, the guy I really don't want to move is Lizardo, if I'm going to be honest. And it's it's another tough one because you look at Edward and Lizardo, they're almost cut from the same cloth. Ridiculous stuff. A lot of injury issues. You know, a lot of injury concern. And that's the one thing with Edward and Lizardo. I think you look at these guys, they've had so many little flare-ups, arm issues here and there. I almost feel like you got to move one of those two. And I don't want to move the hometown kid, too. Uh, that's yeah. the thing with Lizardo. And, and I, I think Lizardo's ceiling is, is right there with Edward. You, you look at the breaking ball that Lizardo has. It's it's one of the best in the game. If you look at run value, it's top 12. The fastball is, is just gotten better and better. You look at his numbers over the last 100 innings of the season pretty much. He, or, or sorry, he threw 100 innings last year. His numbers over his last six or seven starts were dominant. And he was pitching in yeah. some tough environments, shoving. So was Edward. But I think that you've seen a little bit more proven from Lizardo. And he's kind of come around. From, from the dark days to figure it out, and I feel really confident about that. But Mel Stonemeyer Jr., the Marlins pitching coach, has also said that he thinks Edward might have some of the best stuff in the entire org. So it, it's a really tough spot. And then you look at Trevor Rogers. That's a guy I still believe in big time, right? You know, I, I think he, what he did his rookie year is repeatable in a lot of ways. He, he really lost the command last year. He was inconsistent with his delivery. And even the underlying stats, though, 5-4-7 ERA is rough. He had a four three five FIP. If he had a four ERA last year, low mid mid fours, we'd say okay, still a serviceable back end of the rotation starter, and we know there's more in there. So, right, I think where you pegged it is just about right because the control is, is really important. I would, I would be stuck between Edward at one and and Rogers at one. I still think Rogers is extremely valuable. Where'd you say the control shakes out between Edward and Rogers? Rogers has four years of control. Cabrera has six. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think you've got it right. I, I, I do. I do. I. The problem is I don't know where teams value Edward Cabrera. Um, he wasn't that elite, elite, elite prospect. He does have that injury concern, and he didn't quite dominate to the level of some of the other guys. But you have some individual outings last year where Edward, he shoved at cores. And that's where right. it's interesting because you have – 
the Marlins and the Rockies apparently have been talking a little bit, according to reports. And the Rockies saw up close and personal what Edward is able to do at course with that turbo changeup, you know, whatever the hell that is. And and that's a guy that you know I think ultimately, I think he's the one that the Marlins have to value the most. But I think he's one that the Marlins have to be okay with trading. I think. You ready? Tovar, Veen, and Romo for Edward Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, I they would never. I, I wish. I wish. Um, I wish. I do no, that like, so what fast. What do you want back? So you know, I think the Marlins were going in the right direction at asking for a, uh, you know Tristan Casas, and 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 they re- rebuffed the Red Sox rebuffed on that one, and, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think they move Casas pretty much in any situation. I I like Rafaela a lot. But if you're trading six years of control of Edward Cabrera, and I think so, we're we're in agreement here that that Edward is probably that that most valuable asset for them. Even acknowledging the injury concerns, like he's opened up the year with an injury the last couple of years. Like, how much does that stop you if you're a general manager looking at these guys? Trevor Rogers is the been the most durable. Yes, he hit the IL for some small stuff, but Rogers appears to be the most durable. Lopez is the most proven. And then the two guys that maybe are the most valuable, or at least one of them, Edward, is is maybe the least trustworthy health wise. Who are you targeting as a GM? Because then I can kind of bounce off of that. Who do you want? Uh, let let's put together thoughts for Cabrera and Rogers. Can we put together thoughts for Cabrera and Rogers? And, and yeah. let's put together a package coming from Colorado for Edward Cabrera. Colorado's like Colorado lacks the assets, uh, you know, because they, they're not going to trade Tovar. They're not going to trade Veen. And I don't even think the Marlins, you know, really want Veen right now. Um, he, they he may would, want Tolia. I, I'd assume they'd be interested in Tolia. I'd assume they'd be interested in, in, in Brendan Rogers. But those are two guys that you just, you're like hoping. I mean, Brendan Rodgers' numbers away from Coors are are like disturbingly bad. Tolia is is a good hitter. I think would would fit in nicely at first base right away and a great defender. Tolia is a, a good a good piece, but that's got to be piece number two, right? So so who's piece number one? Are you getting CJ Crone out of this? If you're getting Crone, you don't want Tolia that. Uh, so that's what's tough with this Rockies team, and I think the Rockies are the best match in terms of you know where they're at in their their franchise, what they're trying to do in terms of putting best product this year for the fans that always show up, but also building for the future. But I don't know what they have to offer, right? They could cover Randall Grichuk's salary. Does that really help the Marlins? Like what can the Marlins get from the Rockies that fits what they're trying to do right now? And that's why we haven't seen a Marlins trade because Kim Ang is not going to make a trade just to make a trade. She's trying to preserve her job, you know, beyond this year and beyond. So she's yeah. only going to make a trade that that helps Marlins this year and in the future. And that's a roll of the dice with the Rockies. I, that's that's the problem. Is is it's a roll of the dice with the Rockies? Yeah. I look at the at the Red Sox, and I think you just you just kind of build for the next couple of years and go after a Rafaela and go after you know. And if you want to try to help yourself now. You can go get um, what's his name out there in center field who struggled last year. Um, left-handed hitter, fast. Hernandez? No, lefty stunk. Lefty. Oh, Duran, Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran. There you go. You can go get a Jaron Duran who you could plug in there and hope a change of scenery helps him. Um, but so, I, I just don't Duran, know if there's a trade out there for them. Like, who is going to give them big league pieces? 
So Duran and Rafaela for Trevor Rogers. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third piece. I think they need a third piece. I don't value Duran very highly. Yeah, but I Red Sox fans value Duran very highly. Do they That's still? The didn't they like uh, boo him? Didn't they hate him last year? Didn't like I not think so, him? but then they're also just like, oh, he's great. Like you got to give him more time. He's you know like twenty seven. I know, dude. I know. Um, and like, that's the thing. Do the Marlins want another, like, another JJ Blade type guy out there? Like, it's it's almost the same thing again. No, it, it's tough, dude. Um, okay, now hear me out on this. Edward Cabrera for Brian Reynolds. Edward Cabrera and another for Brian Reynolds. That that you you you've reached pretty much the only place where I think the Marlins can pull this thing off that it makes sense for both sides. The Pirates need to be reasonable and the Marlins got to be willing to give, right? So I think it's going to be more than Edward for Brian Reynolds with the 3 years of control of 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 a proven guy. So let's say it's Edward and and prospects, right? Why wouldn't the the Pirates do that? I don't know. It is. Um, I, I think that is very mutually beneficial. Um, I, I think that that is the only one that really makes sense because what Kim Ang is asking for is at a premium and that is controllable big league pieces. Those guys that are good, that can help the Marlins improve um, on teams that are not ready to contend in their own right are very hard to come by, like very, very hard to come by. Um and Reynolds is one of the very few that kind of fits that criteria. I think Cedric Mullins is another guy that kind of fits that criteria, but the Orioles are, are it seems like they're ready to contend for a wild card spot this year. Um, I, I think this past year in terms of Baltimore's success really hurt the Marlins ability to go pursue Cedric Mullins, right? Because they're like, wait, we got to go now. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think the pirates are going to be the bottom dwellers in the NL central. Reynolds, I'd be stunned if Brian Reynolds is a Pittsburgh Pirate on opening day. I'd be stunned. Um, he, he feels like a sitting duck. And each day that goes by, uh, I think teams realize that Reynolds is like more and more available. You know what I mean? Like it's so hard to maximize trade value when you know that a guy is pretty much on the trade block. Yeah, like well, and they, they, apparently he's not—he's not on the block for them, but he doesn't want to be he there. Is. Come and on, every, dude! Like, yeah, I know. And if I hear one more random pirates account fighting me on that, I'm—I'm going to lose my shit because it, it, here's what it is: it's this simple. I believe that the pirates don't want to trade him. I do believe that. I, I believe that they want to hold on to him. But here's the reality of it: he's not resigning with you, and you're not paying him. So every game right now, it doesn't matter because games aren't happening. Every game that he is a pirate and you are not trading him, he is slightly less controllable. Think of his value dropping by 0.01% each time, right? So once we get to the season, now the leverage continues to swing. Sure, they can kind of wait till the deadline and then really push it then. And if they don't get the deal that they want, then look at the Marlins with Pablo Lopez. Then all of a sudden, now you're down to two years of control. And when you get to two years of control, value starts to plummet. Everyone wants more than two. So that's where I'm at with that. Like, the Marlins should make their best and final offer because I think the Marlins have been hesitant too. I do think Kim Ang is a little afraid to give up, you know, this King's ransom. And then let's say Reynolds doesn't quite match what he did two years ago and looks more like last year's Reynolds. Now it looks rough. I, I still think that's worth it for them if he's still last year's Reynolds. Make the offer of Edward, you know, Eater, Watson. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do within reason. And, and I think – if you got to pay 120 cents on the dollar, do it. 
I have one more permutation of a deal. I think that was the word I was looking for the first time I tried it. Um, that that I think could be really interesting from both sides. And you have to look at who Kim Kim Ang, a young GM who is still forming her relationships across the game with GMs that she's more comfortable with trading. What's one team that Kim Ang loves to trade with, Jack? Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know. They already traded with Pittsburgh, right? The Rays. Tampa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I think that Tampa would be all over some of these Marlins arms. And yeah. I specifically think Trevor Rogers to Tampa is a no-brainer. Trevor Rogers has an elite fastball changeup combination. Uh, the command, again, got away from him a little bit. His slider was average, and that was all he needed in his rookie year to kind of get there because it was not even close to average before, and that was what he was missing. If the Rays can adjust that slider for him and get it to be a Rays slider, this guy could be a frontline dude if they can get him right. And and I think with the control, with what he brings them, left-handed arm, that kind of talent, I think the Rays would be all over it. And I look at what the Rays have to offer. They've got a little bit of a surplus in center, man. They go get Siri, yeah. right? Now Siri looks like he's going to be a part of what they're doing. They got Manny Margot. Him. And they they treated Josh Lowe kind of like this, this you know, extra quadruple a guy and yes is josh Lowe a little bit unproven absolutely but josh Lowe can play a high level of center field he crushed crushed through the minor leagues and showed well in the big leagues at the end of last year so if you're going to tell me that you're really bullish and and think that brian uh, brian de la cruz can play significant amounts of time in the outfield last year based on his september then you better say the same about josh Lowe. if you can go get josh Lowe and a couple other prospects in a deal for Trevor Rogers from the Rays, I think that makes the Marlins better. They want more speed. He adds some power. He plays center field. And I love what he did last year. Like he was going back and forth. If you look at his numbers over the last couple months of the season, they were sending him up and down from big leagues, triple A. And he didn't stop raking. He had multi-hit games at the big league level. They sent him down to triple A, kept raking, brought him back up to the big league level. Another multi-hit game. The guy was dynamite down the stretch. And I think he kind of figured it out. Here's the beautiful part, too. If he struggles against lefties, that's where you put De La Cruz in. He hit lefties pretty well. And now you can finally have him in the role that he should be in, which is a platoon. That way you don't have to give up the King's ransom. You keep your prospects. You won't have to add prospects to Trevor Rogers. If anything, the Rays will add prospects. And now you strengthen the system a little bit. You make your center field position better, and you trade from your surplus. Now, I don't know if the Rays want to trade a Josh Lowe. That's a guy I've always been higher on. But if you just got Siri with all of his control, you've got Margot reasonably, you know, for, for a little bit. I, I don't know why they wouldn't make the deal, to be honest. I, I And I think they, they've got guys coming up. They're going to have some other bats that are going to be in the fold as well. I would love this deal for the Marlins. Tell me if this is too much. Okay. Low, Manzardo, Greg Jones for Trevor Rogers. I don't think it's too much. I just don't think they'd trade Manzardo. I know they freaking love him. Okay. Um, how do you think like do they have a reliever? Do they have another reliever that they can, you know, just kind of rent out to the Marlins? That's what they always love to do. Probably. The Marlins um, take their scraps. Real quick before before I jump to the uh Tampa bullpen, the starting rotation, which I think is a perfect fit for Edward Cabrera, the starting rotation in Pittsburgh right now is Rowanzi Contreras, who I love, Rich Hill, Mitch Keller, Vince Velasquez, JT Brubaker. I mean like Edward Cabrera jumps in as the two, maybe yeah. the one. I love um, it. In terms of Tampa, 
I would like Greg Jones. I think that would be very fun, especially with Xavier Edwards here. Like I, I think Greg Jones makes a lot of sense here because he could be an option at short if, if he does, you know, figure out how to hit. Um, Poche. Yeah. I, like, I don't know which raised arm they would deal. Whoever they don't really like. Kobe White is another one that like just nasty arm that was out all last year could be a, a really interesting option for the Marlins that they could probably almost plug straight into the bullpen. That was a guy that they added to the 40 man to protect him. So like one of their nasty arms and then another prospect kind of like a, a Greg Jones or somebody like that, I think puts them in a really good spot. I've got your guy. Who? Patino. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was I thinking want Patino, about that. dude. That Patino could be the is, is electric. Yeah. When he's right, the fastball jumps. I mean, I think low Patino, Greg Jones is perfect because you're buying low on Patino. And Patino is a guy that uh, can be a good reliever, but I think can turn into a starting pitcher again. A- and there you are with, you know, another controllable guy that can be a little bit of a swing man, like in that Kopech type role. Um, I think Patino makes a shit ton of sense. Wow. I, I like that a lot, I was, man. I was going to bring it up because I was like, also, you use him as a reliever and you know, the Marlins want some starting pitching depth. If if Patino can can offer that, you know, that's great too, right? If he can spot start here and there. If you hope him or Sixto, you know, can get right. But yeah, something along that line, like those lines, some some sort of trade like that to me is is, is a no-brainer. Maybe they could get a little bit more than Greg Jones and get like a Oslevis Basabe, who I think is really, really intriguing as well. Um, but yeah, like that seems to be exactly what they should do if if Reynolds isn't going to be there I make my best and final offer for Reynolds if I'm the Marlins and I think that's with Edward and if that's not there I trade Trevor Rogers over to the Rays and and get something with Josh Lowe and some other pieces because let's be real do do the Rays really need Josh Lowe I I don't think so no okay let's put together like hard and fast deals and we're going to pump these out on social media and see see what people say about it so uh Edward Cabrera and blank for Brian Reynolds Edward Cabrera and it's it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot. And I'm just I'm so tired of Pirates fans in our mentions, but I'm gonna say Edward Cabrera, Jake Eater, and they wanted Khalil before. Maybe they want to buy low on Khalil now. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> Jose Salas. Salas. I, I was thinking with Cody Morissette, right? Morissette just had a great year in high A. Yeah, he was hurt, a little banged up. I, I think they'd want Salas. I'd give it to him. Okay. Salas. All right, let me write these down. Um, Cabrera, Eater, and Salas for Reynolds. Yep. And for those listening, Jake Eater dominated through double A last or two years ago. Went down with Tommy John, unfortunately. And that was his first year. He got assigned straight to double A after getting drafted in the fifth round. Carved up, looked great. A top 100 prospect, Tommy John, now should be back, ready to go for opening day. I think he's already ready to go now. Um, and then, you know, you, you throw in a Salas who's appeared on some top 100 lists. I don't think he's top 100 caliber, but he, he's definitely one of the better offensive prospects in the Marlins system. So I, I think that's a no-brainer uh, as, as probably one of their best position players that they have to offer. I think I think they should do that in two seconds. Okay. So Cabrera, Eater, and Salas for Brian Reynolds. Or Trevor Rogers to Tampa for Josh Lowe, Luis Patino, and Greg Jones. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Done. Transactions completed. There we go. I wonder who's going to be mad. 
That's always my my, my thought. My first Everybody. thought. Everybody. Everybody, Marlins fans, Rays fans, Pirates fans are all. Last thing, last thing is Trevor Rogers' value is hard to peg. I want to I want to finish up on this, and and I think fans don't really know where to value him at. You know, after a guy has such a good rookie year, step back in his second season, and you know, there's been guys that never quite find it again, like they had it in their rookie year. But I thought we saw stretches of of Rogers looking really good last year. I, I do believe in him. Um, from somebody that you know maybe doesn't have a little bit of the bias, because I'm a big fan of Rogers and just the way he yeah. he does things. How concerned would you be about him if, if your team acquired him? About Rodgers? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. That's a great question. Because, like, yeah, you know, you could look at it because I, I think I might be the wrong guy to ask here because he was obviously so good in 21. Um, I still see a lot of 2021 Trevor Rodgers as opposed to 2022 Trevor Rodgers. But um, I, I think that as a fan base – you know, you're going to see in the release, Trevor Rogers had a mid five ZRA in 2022. And you're like, well, what the fuck are we doing this for? Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I, I think that that really hurt. And I think the, what have you done for me lately crowd is going to be pretty pissed. I think if there's um, one team not to care, it's the Rays, right? I think so. I totally think so. So that's why I think the Rays are a perfect pairing. But if Trevor Rogers was a Boston Red Sox right now, I think Red Sox fans would be up in arms. And oh, I think yeah. you would have Felger and Maz on 98.5, the sports hub, just shitting on Bloom, saying, why the hell did we get a guy with a five and a half ERA? What the hell is this? Like, I don't see a world where Red Sox fans take that well. Um, part of part of the positive spin on this is Tampa doesn't have that big of a fan base. So it's not like they can really piss off a fan base by going to get Trevor Rogers. Uh, and, and I think that Tampa, the fans that they do have. They've trusted um, they trust them. They, they trust them. Like they trust Neander. They trust the Rays development system because they've proven time and time again that they can go put together a bad news bears type roster and make them really good. Um, so I, I do think that Tampa is a better partner than Boston in that regard. I, I totally agree. And I'm going to swap out Greg Jones for Basabe though. I think, I think that's Perfect. fair. I think the Marlins can pull okay. that off. Let's do it. Um, all right. Last thing for me, uh, Liam Hendricks, has been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I know we just wanted to like end the pod on this real quick. Um, you know, that sucks. And like Liam Hendricks was a guy over the last couple days to a week that has been floated in trade conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about Liam Hendricks as, you know, a, a possible New York Met and things like that. Um, I don't want anybody to talk about Liam Hendricks baseball value right now, the same way that, people didn't talk about Texas's backcourt when Andrew Jones Absolutely. had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, yep. and I don't want anybody to talk about, you know, the Bills secondary um, now that DeMar Hamlin's going through what, what he's going through. You know what I mean? It, and, I think baseball conversations are so pointless in regards to these guys. I don't want to hear anything baseball related about Liam Hendricks. I just want to hear nothing but well wishes for a guy that is, loved by everyone in that clubhouse uh, that is a, by all accounts, a, a hilarious dude that had his own like tarot card reader when he needed to get right. I mean, this guy yeah. is, he's one of the best characters in major league baseball. I've been so lucky to have him as my favorite team's closer for the last several yeah. years. And I am just praying, praying, praying um, for a, a full recovery. I know he's going to fight like hell. I know he's got a great, great supporting cast around him. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to see Liam Hendricks back on the field at some point. No rush, man. Get cancer free. Fuck that thing up. Yeah. I, wonderfully wacky is kind of how I think about Liam Hendricks. Like I watch interviews and he just makes me laugh. And uh, just, just the way that he acts on the mound, you can just see how much fun he's having, how much passion he brings to the game. And, you know, I, I'm glad it's funny. I, I thought about the, the whole trade situation uh, because I'm like, man, I'm glad he didn't get traded because he's got his his guys that he knows really well. Like, could you imagine if yeah. he's with a new team now? And I'm sure they would have embraced him and it would have been nice. But it, we know uh, Jeff Passan hit on this too, how beloved he is in that White Sox clubhouse. He's been beloved in every every clubhouse he's been in, but he's been in that White, House, White Sox clubhouse for a little bit now. And yeah. to, to have that that supporting cast, you know, we saw Trey Mancini go through it all and uh, you know, Mancini thank had, God he had, did it in Baltimore, right? Like, thank yeah, God he wasn't flipped exactly. and then he had to deal with it in Houston. And in Houston, I'm sure would be a great support base for him. But Trey Mancini was a beloved Baltimore Oriole and he went through the shit in Baltimore with the mm-hmm. people that love him, with a fan base that loves him. And I'm really, ex- I'm, I'm very happy that Liam Hendricks is going to go through this in Chicago with, with a fan base and with a team that loves him. Yeah. And one of the last things I just want to say about that is, you know, it, it's, it's so, humbling and, and, and wild and, and a few ways because we look at you know these athletes as these larger than life figures and you know we saw it in in, in football obviously recently with Damar Hamlin and, and, and just seeing it with someone like Liam Hendricks where when someone's so likable so good at what they do uh and just seems to do everything right you almost think they're invincible and you Correct. know it, it just to see to see Liam Hendricks now you know with this diagnosis but I, I still feel like he's invincible and I I know he's going to he's going to knock the shit out of this he's going to continue to to kill it with the intensity that he does and um you know I'm I'm just wishing him the best and and I'm glad that we were able to close on that um it seems like it always happens to some of the greatest people man and and I I look forward to hearing from him next and and I'm sure he's going to be an inspiration to a lot of people and I know he's going to give back in a lot of ways to to other people with through this experience similar to how Trey Mancini did because it just you just know he's that kind of guy. Yeah. And I know regardless of how he's feeling, he's gonna crack a couple jokes and, oh, wow. and Australian accent. Like he's gonna lean into it. So um, yeah, man, fight hope he fights like hell. Um I I'm just excited to see him pitch again. This return is gonna yeah. be gonna be crazy. Be special. But I mean, get it get healthy first and foremost, man. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Again, well wishes to Liam Hendricks, and you know, we'll stay keep our eyes peeled for you know any any fundraisers or anything that he's doing. Because I'm sure, again, I know, knowing Liam Hendricks is going to do things like that. We'll we'll try to plug it in any way. So uh, we'll, we'll have you covered on that front as well. Yeah. We got a lot coming up this week too, content wise. We're going to start to get to the top tens and all of that good stuff. So very excited about that. Which obviously Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in the game. Excited to talk about him. As, as a closer and celebrate him there and, and and get excited for him coming back. But obviously one of the best in the game, we will be talking about him as a top 10 closer. But we'll do all of our top 10 positions, your favorite thing to yell at us about. And creeping up around the corner, World Baseball Classic preview. So we'll be doing that as well. That'll be on JustBaseball.com as well as on the episodes here in the coming weeks. We're officially, as of today, two months out from the World Baseball Classic. So that should be pretty darn fun Jack, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? I don't think so. I I think we're chilling, man. Um, Fun stuff. Show and go with Taylor Davis debuts tomorrow. Let's go. Uh, And then let's see. We got Alec Mills is episode two. And next week conversation with the uh, AL Cy Young runner-up, Dylan Cease. which is No way. Dylan Cease. That's going to be awesome. Taylor Davis, Jack McMullen, and Dylan Cease chopping it up. 
Be sure to subscribe to Show and Go. It should be up tomorrow. That would be January 10th. So keep an eye out for that as that podcast will be available on all platforms. As always, thank you for listening and we look forward to talking baseball with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.